Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Good morning, America! It's 9 o'clock and we're in studio in Bismarck, North Dakota. I'm Father Justin Walsh. And I'm Father Josh Walsh. And we are the Sons of Thunder! And as it goes, everybody, we're asking you right now to get on the phone, get on your social media, text out, whatever you need to do to let America and the Midwest know that the Sons of Thunder are on this morning from 9 to 11. We've got an absolutely magnificent show for you. We have some special guests we'll be bringing in a little bit later on and some things that we have not done yet. But before we get into all that, we want to toss it over to our production assistant to preview the show. Thank you very much, guys. Today's show is going to be great. During this month of May, we're dedicating it to our Mother Mary. In studio, we'll sit down with Bishop Kagan of the Bismarck Diocese and answer the question, what do we as Catholics actually believe about Mary? Also, it's straight talk with the brothers. Do you have a question about the faith or questions on your heart you've always wanted to ask a priest? Call in from 9.30 to 10. Then in the second hour, Denise Doppelworth will join us to tell her amazing story about three gifts that she received in the most unexpected ways. We look forward to that. Also, if you're a Catholic man discerning the priesthood, have you considered giving the seminary a try? Father John Anderson of the Diocese of Superior will share his thoughts on the beginning stages of discernment to seminary life. All this and so much more on Real Presence Radio. Right back to you guys. Thank you very much, Aaron. Welcome back, everybody. Again, we got a great show, as you just heard, from our production assistant, Aaron. We want to welcome him to the team, too. He's brand new. Uh, but we're super excited to be on. It's been a month since our last show, and we're going to kick it off uh, with a prayer. Father Josh. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In this month of Mary, we especially turn to her. We entrust this show to her, uh, all the listeners uh, throughout the region. And we ask that she might just bless this time and help us to speak words of truth of her son. As we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right, everybody, it's time for everybody's intro and most favorite segment of the entire show. We're going to crush it with Bishop David Kagan. It is definitely, it's got to be one of the favorite parts of everybody's Sons of Thunder show because... Bishop, you're, you're so well-known. By the way, I was going to tell you, I had a guy came up to me yes. in the gas station, and he said, uh, he said, you know what, you have, or we have the best bishop in America, and he stands oh, up for what's right, and I'm proud of him. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to tell Bishop that, because, you know, I'm not sure bishops always get the best news, 
Uh, no, we don't always <laughs> get the best. That's very kind of him to say that. Uh, so we're I don't blue, know big blue-collar worker. He was pumped up. So, Well, that's very kind. It, it's uh, nice to hear that from time to time. <laughs> Bishops don't usually, Once as priests don't usually hear all the nice things. They right. usually get some of the not nice Just things. a little. Well, it's the, it's the month of May, uh, Bishop, and as you well know, that month is Mary's Month. Mm-hmm. We just graduated St. Mary's Central High School, last one uh, in the old school, heading to the new one, and they reverence that as well. So we have some questions for the folks out there uh, that we're hoping you can answer for us mm-hmm. in regards to Mary. And I think maybe one of the most uh, interesting ones, at least as a priest, one I get you know, both from Protestants and Catholics is... Mm-hmm. Uh, what about why do we pray to Mary? What about her intercession? Do we worship Mary and all of that sort of thing? And maybe mm. you could give us some clarity well, as for, uh, to her role. For everyone, Catholic or not Catholic, one of the best sources of information, of obviously, is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, but that's a common misperception, mainly by uh, Protestants, that Catholics worship Mary. Catholics do not, never have, and never will worship Mary. We only worship the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. However, we uh, hold Mary in the highest uh, regard, and we give to her the, the highest honor and veneration we can give to any human being. Uh, and uh, we do so precisely because uh, it has been divinely revealed to us, uh, I- both in Old and New Testaments, uh, that she is the divinely chosen one to be the mother of God himself. And uh, uh, that's crystal clear. Uh, I- and. Uh, I- as it's it's as I say divinely revealed through sacred scripture, and that was something that from the beginning of our Lord's earthly life, that was never a question. Uh, who our Blessed Mother is? She is the Mother of the Lord, and even in our uh, Lord's earthly life, she was often referred to as the mother of the Lord, as you read in the Gospels, and certainly uh, there no doubt was left when Jesus himself, one of his final acts uh, in this world was to uh, designate, uh, proclaim her to be not just his mother, but the mother of all humanity, when from the cross he says, Woman, behold your son, referring to uh, St. John standing next to her, and then, Son, behold your mother. Uh, This is the, uh, the will of Almighty God himself, that she be uh the model as we say uh, in one of the the prefaces with regard to our blessed lady she is the pattern not just for the church but a, the pattern of holiness for the rest of us human beings uh to look to to imitate 
and certainly to go to her in prayer seeking her intercession with her son you know yeah. but we do not worship mary that's i i think a self induced uh self perpetuated uh scheme by non catholics to denigrate uh what is uh, a, a absolutely beautiful and necessary part of Catholic life. But why? Yeah. That, that, that's always what kills me. I don't know why. What is but so they're steeped in error to begin with. So, I mean, <laughs> it's it, the foundation for what they say is, is totally erroneous. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, it, I, I can't answer that. But I, I don't take my word for it. Go to the cat if they really are sincere and, and, and what is this all about? Read the Catechism of the Catholic Church about and what it says about our Blessed Mother as the Mother of God, the Mother of the Church. And it's clear. And guess who was responsible for putting that together? Pope Benedict XVI. <laughs> One of the if you need of our show. Clari- <laughs> yeah, but if you need clarity about the faith... Mm-hmm. There is no better source for that, right. you know, than all of his writings. Uh, it, the, but this, it, this, it, this is just part and parcel of not just what we believe, but uh, how we live what we believe in day to day as as Catholics. You know, the thing is, too, Bishop, that part if you if you understand. Uh, you know, as you're saying in the Catechism, but the totality of, of what Jesus established. Mm-hmm. It's the kingdom of God, so it's a kingdom. It's clearly a family, as he's giving mm-hmm. us his father as well as his mother, as you're saying, from the cross. And so if you start, as Luther and Zwingli and the rest of these reformers did, start picking out pieces and tossing them in the trash, yeah. eventually you're left with an incomplete picture and therefore an incomplete relationship. So maybe you could speak a little bit to her role. Uh, you know, as, as Jesus says, he fulfills uh, the law, it's not going away, it's fulfilled, mm-hmm. and so kind of the queen mothership in the Davidic, Davidic kingdom and her queen mothership, mm-hmm. uh, and and then as you were saying, you know, uh, maybe from a more familial perspective, perspective, you know, especially as a, a bishop or priest, you know, we loved our mother or mothers, mm-hmm. and Jesus loves his, you know, yeah. and so that's kind of part of this larger picture. Well, uh, and again, uh, you can look both uh, to the dual source uh, uh, of our faith in sacred scripture and holy tradition. There's no contradiction between one and the other. One, in a sense, complements the other by taking what is uh, is clearly and divinely revealed through sacred scripture uh, about our Blessed Mother and then looking to how the church uh, related to her from the very beginning. Uh, uh, the apostles, those first disciples, both before and after Pentecost, <clears throat> she she held the place of honor among them. They recognized that, yes, she is the mother of God, and uh, 
it it just it was not there was no reason not to honor and revere her for who she is and who she uh, uh, is not just for Jesus but for them. And that was from the very beginning. And that's yes, that it, that, it, that was from the beginning. It has not changed, and it won't change. Uh, it, it, no matter uh, how long uh, time continues, uh, it's it's that will be the same. And uh, in this month of May, which by long uh, uh, and and beautiful custom uh, is devoted to our Blessed Lady, uh, we have an opportunity uh, not just to learn more of her as mother of God and mother of us all, but we have an opportunity, I think, to uh, look at the Marian devotions which the Church approves of. They are absolutely stunning. I agree. And not just theologically, but pastorally uh, compelling. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, anyone who um would uh, pray or or become involved with one of the Marian devotions cannot help but be i i would say uh, steeped in the church's love for and veneration of our blessed mother uh and uh, doing that how can you not want to know more of her and uh imitate her as that most perfect of all the disciples of Jesus. Yeah, you know, and th- you saying that reminds me uh, of a few years back when Our Lady of Fatima statue was yes. in our diocese. Yeah. And thank you again for sending her up to St. Leo's in Minot. But mm-hmm. the way we marked it, and I think maybe something similar was down here, but we did a, a Eucharistic Marian procession through right. downtown Minot. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you, you really speak to something there because even though people were not Catholic, many of them. The entire downtown just shut down as we came through. People yeah. were coming out of shops. Some people were kneeling. And, you know, I mean, it was a very spiritual moment for everyone present. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. you know, to practice these devotions, rosary even before Mass. Even, folks, if you can only pray a decade of the rosary, just begin there. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. And, and I was thinking, as you were saying that, that like, the miraculous medal, and mm-hmm. you remember is uh, Alphonse Radisbon with yeah. uh, Maximilian Kolbe. <laughs> That's a heck of a name. Yeah, <laughs> and well, and he he said to him, he said, you know, he was anti-Catholic. He was, I think, yeah. he was Jewish, and Kolbe said, you know, take this miraculous medal and wear it for a week. And he, out of spite, I think, more than anything, he wore it for a week. And when he finally came back to give it back to Kolbe. Uh, he had, you know, the image of Our Lady right. was struck, like, he found himself, like, 20 feet away from the statue, totally infused with every teaching of the Catholic Church, and became a Catholic. <laughs> right. Like, so just little, even encouraging people just to wear the miraculous medal you know, or whatever. And, and, and see, all of that works together for the good, the good of the individual person, the building up, strengthening of the <laughs> faith in the Church. But, you know, we we have that beautiful uh, saying, and it's it's steeped in the truth of revelation and tradition to Jesus through Mary. Take that example of that anti-Catholic man. Who is it that enlightens him 
to know who Jesus Christ is. It's our Blessed Mother. Read the Gospels. When she's referred to, she's always referred to as being accompanied by others coming to see Jesus. Exactly. How can you not appreciate that? Well, and at the end of the day, I, I mean, she's his mom. Yes, <laughs> I mean, it's not exactly. like I mean, we all love our mothers, and maybe you don't want a relationship with her, but to speak against her, I think, is you know, well, I mean, it's it's dangerous. It's, thing. Well, you know, uh, let's let's just take it out of the the realm of of the holy and religion. It's irrational. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes no sense, and that again, you know speaks volumes about who's denigrating the blessed mother right. or yeah. the way we honor and venerate her exactly. i just i just think like if i had a friend he's like oh you know you're my best friend i'm like you should really meet my mom and he's like i want nothing to do with your mother <laughs> right. i would yeah. just be like, be like what? okay what? man don't mess yeah. with my mama <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway. Well, Bishop, it's always great having you on the show, folks. Uh, Bishop David Kagan crushing it for the Diocese of Bismarck once again on the Sons of Thunder show. Uh, we got Straight Talk coming up in a bit, so if you got those questions, we want you to you know start preparing those and get ready to call in or Facebook in. Uh, that one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two number. We got some surprises for you coming up, so stay tuned and keep calling people and letting them know uh, we're on the show. Bishop, we're, we're very grateful to have you on. <clears throat> uh, thank you for being on this morning. Time flies uh, when you're crushing it with Bishop Kagan, so get ready for your questions with Straight Talk. Bishop, uh, thanks again. We appreciate having you on. You're very kind. <laughs> Don't, Don't go, go any- anywhere. <laughs> we'll be right back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio. Did you know the signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming? Have you ever thought about running radio spots on the RPR network? We want to partner with you to help gain exposure for your business in front of a very faithful customer base. To find out more about your options, please call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. One very important parish will receive special treatment at the 2020 Built Upon a Rock Fest, including catered lunch on the concert day, meet and greet with the bands, and a special preview performance. Built Upon a Rock Fest is grateful for parish support and wants to give back. All sponsoring parishes will be entered into a drawing, and the VIP will be drawn on stage at the concert on September 14th. For details, check out builtuponarockfest.com. Builtuponarockfest.com. You know, just to jump on that comment, too, of just having those responses of being able to defend the faith, you know, no matter who we talk to. I mean, there's so many people that just aren't really familiar with the church teaching. So to be able to clarify that and to be kind of the light of Christ in the world, to bring that actual truth, the the beauty, to actually bring that to people, I think has just made, you know, it's a different changer for both of us. And I think, um, as you talked about, just knowing the truth of the church. So even if you know what the church teaches, can you really make that argument and support it every day? Right, day in and day out. And that's been a big thing for me, is having this resource that you can sit and listen and learn so much. A big thing for me was, even as a healthcare provider, knowing what abortion is and how it works, listening on Real Presence Radio one day to somebody, a healthcare provider, actually talking through step-by-step, what that goes through was just... 
a game changer for me. And as far as being able to vocalize that to other people so that they really understand what abortion is Mm -hmm. and why the church teaches what they teach. We all appreciate the comforting things in life. Great food, laughter, celebrating mass together, and friendships. Here at Riverview, we have all those things and more. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. With Senior Independent Living Apartments and our Crosshaven neighborhood for those seniors who need a little more assistance, it is the sense of community here that makes Riverview home to all of us. Contact me, Carrie Dew, or Kelly Brecky for a tour at 701-237-4700 or online at homeishere.org. You're listening to the RPR Network. Now, back to more Real Presence Live. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Father Justin Waltz. And I'm Father Josh Waltz. And we are the Sons of Thunder. All right, well, we got a little bit that we just want to wrap up that last segment, Crushing It with Bishop Kagan, because there's a few other things in this month of May, which is dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, that I think need to be said. And I I just want to, like give you a little tidbit when we're defending uh, Our Lady's dignity and role, uh, a lot of the times it's just a little bit more uh, of, of an explanation. I think a lot of people don't understand her role scripturally, and so I want st- to give you a little bit of that, and then right after that I want to talk about this priest in Omaha and the, the magnificent thing that happened to him. But So if we look at the structure of the kingdom of David, which, which uh, Jesus fulfills in the Old Testament, right? Because the Lord says in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, uh, I didn't come to abolish a law, I came to fulfill it. Not one dot, not one letter is going to disappear until it accomplishes its purpose. So when people are like, well, we've moved beyond the law, well, we really haven't moved beyond the law. You know, the Ten Commandments are still in place. You know, the book of Leviticus might not be applicable anymore because we offer a different sacrifice through Christ. But the fact of the matter is that there are many elements of that law that are not only still in place, but they have been fulfilled and are foundationally necessary to the explanation of the kingdom of God as we have it right now. So, with that in mind, in the kingdom of David, which Jesus fulfills as the Messiah, it was not the, the wife of the king that was the queen. As a matter of fact, in the case of David and Solomon, that would have been totally impossible because you know, Solomon had 973 wives. You, know, you do the math on that one, right? Uh, so, and David had several himself. So, Bathsheba... Uh, was queen when uh, David, or excuse me, Solomon was king. So the mother of the the king was the queen. Well, if Jesus, you take that out to its logical conclusion, if Jesus is the eternal king because he died and rose from the dead and is now enthroned for all eternity uh, as the ruler of the kingdom of God, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, and none of the law passes away until it is fulfilled and it's fulfilled in him, then if he's the eternal queen or king, then automatically his mother must be the eternal queen. And so we worship him, but we pray to her because she's got so much intercessory power as his mother, as the mother of God, as the queen of heaven and earth, and the list goes on, that it would make sense that we would pray to her, and then she comes to our aid and approaches uh, her son, who she's the greatest intercessor that there is. So we might sit back and be like, okay, Father, that's nice, you know, but, you know, where have we seen this? Well, we've seen this numerous times. And I want to just relate a story real quick to you. There's this, and you can get on YouTube and uh, Google Mother Angelica EWTN Omaha Priest that died. And so it was like back in the, the 90s that they did this. And he has this story. So He's uh, incarnated uh, in the Diocese of Omaha. I don't remember his name. It's Steve something. But he was coming back uh, from a conference or something, and he flew off the road 
uh, rolled his car, and uh, you know they came and got him. Obviously, with an ambulance, he dies on the operating table. Revives spontaneously uh, after being dead for like three to five minutes. Makes a full recovery, and then he is back in his church. This is like a year later, and he's preaching at a daily mass, and the gospel is read, and it's about uh, the 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 gardener in the tree. You know, I'm gonna. The, the, the tree is producing no fruit. The gardener says, "Cut it down," and uh, the the caretaker says, "You know, just give me a, a little bit more time, and it'll produce fruit." And as he's reading it, he immediately flashes back to what happened to him when he died. He said he came into the Lord's presence, couldn't see the Lord, which is not a good sign. <laughs> Uh, couldn't see the Lord, but he could hear the Lord, and the Lord walked him through his life, especially his priestly life. And to his own testament, when Mother Angelica asked him, you know, were you living your priesthood? He was like, no, not whatsoever. And so <clears throat> the Lord's taken him through his life, and he said all he could do was admit to the, to the evil that he had done. And the Lord was like, well, this is what you wanted. And he was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. And so he, after going through his whole life, he says, you've lived your uh, priesthood for no one but yourself. And he was like, and so I found that you've chosen hell for all eternity. And he said, I wasn't bothered by it. I wasn't upset. He said, you are absolutely right and just, Lord, and total, totally calm. And he said he was about you know, to be sentenced. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he hears this gentle voice of a, a woman in the background that says, but for me, son, spare him for me. Send him back, and he'll be a better priest, and I will make sure of it. And so apparently there was a little banter between the Lord and the Blessed Virgin Mary in which she was like, he's lived for no one but himself, mother. And then, But for me, son. Now, the, obviously, the, the message of this story is not hell. It's the Lord's mercy. Obviously, he's the one who granted the mercy to him. But uh, it was because of her intercession. And so Mother Angelica says, uh, "You know, were you a, a devotee to the rosary? And he said, Mother... I didn't pray the rosary. I didn't pray my breviary. I didn't pray at all. He's like, I was lucky if I was saying mass. He's like, the only thing I could come up with is I kept a rosary that my mother gave me in my glove box. And he's like, maybe that had something to do with it. But he's like, as far as I can see, her intercessory power is so absolutely unbelievable uh, that in that in the end, uh, he was she was able to save his priesthood. And then the rest of the story went on to be, he's retired now, but an extraordinarily fervent priest of God. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we could go on and on with stories. Yeah. <clears throat> I yeah, mean, I just just the, the sheer apparitions, the the what was it? The fastest um, conversion ever in the history of the world was Guadalupe. It was something that you know, in in like less than a year. I don't know. There were seven million, million yes. Aztecs converted <clears throat> and uh, left behind blood <clears throat> sacrifice all over an image. Which you know that really brings something up. Since we're in in the month of May, one thing that we got to remember as Catholics, especially as we you know, cruise through this extraordinarily challenging time that we're living in, is that when God wants to act, and in this case with the Aztecs, it was through the Blessed Virgin Mary, but, you know, we always think it's like, oh, it's going to be this world upheaval, and, you know, in my opinion, it probably is going to be that, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. I mean, in this case, it was a poor man from a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, Mexico, with a bishop that wasn't even well-known. And it wasn't like she appeared to everybody. All she did was, you know, imprint herself on his his cloak, and then that cloak was framed. And people ever since that time have been coming to see this divine image. But that image was enough, given in the absolute perfect way, in order to convert. Seven, I don't know, maybe it was nine, seven to nine 
million people in an entire society returned or actually came into the faith from paganism. So, I mean, just imagine, you know, what, what, what would happen on a global scale if, you know, the Lord, I don't know, maybe he appears in the... The, you know, the, the it wouldn't the take much. Mercy. It, it wouldn't take. I mean, it, he can, it never takes much. It, it, the devil works for like centuries to get some small thing done, and the Lord, in like you know, forty-five seconds, you know, changes the course of human history. So, God is all powerful, both in the life of the world and in our lives. And so, don't despair. If there's somebody out there right now that's hurting in any way, you just stay true to Jesus. He might have you in a place of humility that he needs you but he's always pulling the best possible life that he can out of your life now we got somebody very special in the studio today everybody uh we have matt nino from central california our man from cali uh he's a professional musician um where are you studying again? I'm studying at Belmont University in Nashville. Nashville, right? right? Massive music scene out there. So we thought we would just, for your listening pleasure, bring him on, uh, and he's gonna he's gonna play us a little a little uh, music. But before we get into that, we are moving into our next segment, <laughs> in which uh, we call Straight Talk with the Brothers. Brothers. We got a uh, uh, time coming up here where we're gonna just we're gonna. We're, t- we're opening the phone lines, we're opening the databases, we're opening everything. We want you to call in. If you got something on your heart or mind that you want to talk with us, uh, you feel free to do that. We have, uh, we have, um, what do we have? Well, we were supposed to be moving into straight Talk with, with the, the brothers. brothers. <laughs> we're going to apparently a minute behind there. Uh, so we will be moving into it eventually, but we need you to <laughs> call the number one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, or you can get on Facebook. Uh, you can do a lot of things. You can probably even text in in certain cases. Uh, but we want to hear from you today. We're going to uh, be entertaining your questions, and there's a lot going on out there. We've got a couple of. Uh, extraordinarily good talking points. And we want to talk about uh, confession. We want to talk about Pope Benedict. We want to talk we, about... Yeah, we, or whatever you want to talk about. I mean, and there's a lot going on right across, across uh, the boards and the news right now, especially with the Catholic Church. Uh, so let's clarify these questions and let's get a good conversation going as we always do on the Brothers. And now they tell us, even though we introduced it early, <laughs> that it's time Game for... Time. Straight Talk with the, the Brothers! brothers. <laughs> We've been, uh, yeah, it's been an incredible couple of weeks, uh, especially with the new stuff coming out from California with the Seal of Confession. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, in, in April, Pope Benedict, uh, you know, wrote the letter, the open letter, basically, to why the clerical abuse happened. All of that we want to get into further on in the show. But as, as my brother mentioned, before we get going, uh, our, our buddy Matt Nino, his, his dad... Uh, is Steve Nino. They live down in Paso Robles, California, wine country. Uh, Beautiful and, area. Yeah, my brother and I went down there a couple years ago, and we did a, a keynote, uh, a couple keynotes at a conference they have, big conference they have down there. Most and, amazing conference <clears throat> ever. We thought we'd get out there, and we yeah. know that those of you in the Midwest would automatically assume that California lib, is lib, liberal, lib, lib. liberal, liberal, but it is not. We're here to tell you and testify that it, we found an extraordinarily devout and conservative area of that great state that's beautiful with beautiful people, beautiful wine for sure. Uh, <laughs> but man, that conference was like one of the most devout and spirit-filled conferences so we've spoke at. Right, and so we, we ended up meeting Steve and we met his family, and uh, I, you know, he, we kind of stayed in touch and he decided he wanted to come to North Dakota. 
So, <laughs> so, so they came kinda, to North Dakota. They just, he was going to drive his motorhome up here and then realized that, that he kind of did. Days. Yeah, he, he was, geographically, he was a little challenged, I think. But, uh, but Steve couldn't be with us today, uh, but his son is with us, and his son is actually out in Nashville. And uh, we just want to give you a little, little, little pr- like a preview uh, of this this young man. He's got an incredible voice, incredible faith, and he's uh, and he's just been yeah. A lot of beautiful things have happened in his life. So uh, go ahead, Matt, and play us a little song. Well, I heard there was a secret chord that David played. Please, the Lord. Beautiful, brother. Awesome. All right, man. A little bravo, in the studio. Bravo. I hope that touched you like it touched me. Uh, always inspiring. A little church music. So we what? know we've all heard that publicly in in uh, our churches. We play it at St. Leo's. We played it over at St. Joe's. Oh, yeah, man. Gotta Weddings. love public church domain music, everybody. We're going to get a little bit more of that later on in the show. Uh, but right now, we're with Straight Talk, one 795 You can uh, log on to Facebook, Real Presence Live, and post your question. We get it right in studio. It's amazing. They transfer it right into us. So please give us a call. We're willing to talk about anything, but we got a very serious topic that we need to address. Uh, and that's what's going on. I mean, we've got a guy from California, a conservative area of California, but there is a bill uh, right now in California, uh, that was, I believe it was, was it Macy? Yeah, it was amended uh, May 16th, but it has passed uh, the Senate Appropriations Committee. And the bill, as amended, everyone, now check this out, right? Because we're all like, okay, well, there's this going on in the church, that going on, there's never, you know, going to be a real persecution. But I think we can all agree as Catholics that one of the most sacred places uh, within our faith, one of the most sacred sacraments, one one place that uh, is is so reverenced and 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 appreciated. So the place left uh, on the planet, right? That this exists is the seal of the sacrament of reconciliation, and this bill, as amended, would require priests to report to law enforcement knowledge or suspicion of child abuse gained from the hearing of a sacramental confession of other priests and or co-workers and I would imagine uh, anybody else. And so up until now, being that the Code of Canon Law protects the seal, and just to you know, say something uh, about the seal, I don't, a lot of times I find the Catholics, I, I, I think they, they don't understand like the level of this thing, but whatever is confessed in the Sacrament of Reconciliation now under not only church law, but the regular legal <coughs> code of, of of the free world re, uh, respects the code of canon law, uh, but because of the, the, what canon law says, whatever is confessed in the sacrament of reconciliation is in fact completely under this seal. Which means that if a priest were to reveal any of it, he would be automatically uh, excommunicated in that moment. And my understanding, maybe Father Josh can correct me, but my understanding is that the only person that can reinstate a priest after this uh, violation is the Holy Father himself. Um, which means, folks, it's not like, okay, well, he, you know, he can't celebrate Mass anymore. He can't even, if you're excommunicated, you can't even enter the church, right? You're like outside of everything. Uh, and so the beautiful part about this is, I remember doing this back in seminary. I did this long, uh, 
uh, uh, research on violations of this thing. So I'm thinking to myself, in two millennia, you know, at some point in time, somebody maybe under torture, you know, must have violated the seal. And I, to date, have never heard and or found of any document case, documented case uh, of the seal of confession being violated. There are multiple stories out there uh, in regards to uh, uh, the seal being protected, especially during the time of Henry VIII. Right when he was slaughtering priests, uh, you know, as he you know left the Catholic Church, or uh, in a lot of cases, even kings and queens over the course of two millennia, if they wanted to know if you know one was you know the king did the wife commit adultery, they tortured the priest to death, and <laughs> it's never been violated. Now that says something about this seal, right? It's almost as if God is telling humanity that there is a place on earth that is so sacred and divine. Uh, that this is one of the very few areas that even our, you know, weakness of humanity is so upheld by God uh, that, that priests have maintained this, despite the rest of the errors us priests have made, but have maintained this thing for certain over the course of, of two millennia. And so it is now in the United States of America, and as, as far as I can see, uh, and studied, we've never had a legal challenge to the seal before, right? We might have had personal challenges where, you know, king whoever it was or dictator whoever it was wanted some information, and so a priest got tortured to death. But this is saying, no, that now United States law is going to get involved in church law and is going to start regulating uh, how confessions, you know, are, are going to be heard. So I want to say this, the long-term play, which I've been saying on the last 20 Sons of Thunder shows, with the scandal is not the scandal. The long-term play is something bigger, and if you want to know how the evil, evil one goes about stuff, this is a long-term play. If he can get rid of the sacrament of reconciliation, he's getting rid of a sacrament, and that's some big stuff. Absolutely. The bill, uh, SB 360, denies the sanctity of confession to every priest in the state and to thousands of Catholics who work with priests and parishes and other church agencies and ministries. So, uh, again, you guys, we have uh, 877-795-0122. Call in for Straight Talk. Uh, get on Facebook. We're waiting for your questions. Uh, one more time, 877-795-0122. You know, I, I was thinking as we were sitting here talking, there's I just kind of Googled to see, you know, martyrs for the seal of confession. And sure enough, there are a lot of martyrs. I'm sure some of you listening may have uh, remember that uh, Alfred Hitchcock movie, I Confess, uh, which basically was based on the print this principle that, in fact, even if I was, <clears throat> you know, convicted of murder and you came and confessed to me, and you, you actually did the murder, but it, everything pointed to me, and you were sorry for it, and you were forgiven for it, that I would actually have to go to prison. I mean, that's crazy. But know, it, the man, amount I'm, of people... I'm ready to go to prison. I ain't afraid of going to prison. <laughs> I ain't afraid of going to prison either. <laughs> the way things are going right now, I'd just soon be martyred. But, you know, <laughs> my martyrdom is like, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, boom, right, right in the head. Yeah. You know, and then Versus now, boiling oil. <laughs> right, they're tearing my eyeballs out or something. I don't know. One eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. That's one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Don't be shy. Uh, get on Facebook and type in a question. You don't even need to be on the air live. You can just submit something. We're willing to pretty much talk about anything. Matt, what's it, what's it like living in California these days? Well, I mean, I know you're in that. Well, you can talk to Nashville. You can talk to California. You grew up in Cali. You can. Yeah, I I grew up in California, and I went through you know Catholic school my entire life from, awesome. from K through 12. So I had definitely a strong community in high school um, around the faith and through through my high school and everything. And then moving down to Nashville was a little different because it's more 
a pro, it's more of a Protestant area, just geographically. So, and in, in Belmont, the school I go to is like non-denominationally Christian school. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a, a different community. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, with like most of my friends that in high school were all Catholic because it was all Catholic school, um, but in college, it's you know most of my friends are are. Protestant. Well, you're in a much more Protestant area. Definitely, than definitely. Nashville, that's like the heart of the South. And it's, it's kind of interesting because a lot of people don't know the like what Catholics believe down there, by and large. <laughs> but they're religious, Definitely, right? yeah. See, that's where I think, you well, know. Well, this I, is where you get the South and the, the Alabama pro-life, you know, Bill. Right, right. and I mean, it, it, you got to commend these people. That's something else we didn't even have down, but now that you bring it up, I mean... <laughs> You want to talk about times that we're living in, everybody. This is absolutely it amazing It is escalating, stuff. man. Right. The, the lines are being drawn, and maybe you're seeing this in college even, but I mean, I'm, I'm going to throw all believers, Christian believers, into this camp, but either you are a believer, and I'm not talking a lip service believer because we have that in every church that there is. I'm talking people that really love Christ and want to follow Christ and probably would die for Christ, but these are the folks, especially... God loved the people in the, you know, the, the legislature of Alabama who just passed the strongest abortion, anti-abortion bill that's ever been passed and have set the stage for a war you know, that's coming in this country uh, that, that has needed to be fought for a long time. We've got Gail from Bismarck. Uh, how can this... On the phone, Gail, are you on the phone with us? Yes, I am. Uh, well, thank you for calling in, Gail. How's it going? Life is good, and thank you, gentlemen, for being on the radio. You are so wonderful. Oh, that's very kind of you, Gail. We appreciate the support. So what's your question? My question is, with the Sacrament of Reconciliation, how can there even be a law against it? Because nobody wants the church involved in anything. There's a separation of the church (laughs) and state and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean. Yeah, and I think that's an excellent question, and that's, I think that's what's so uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, scary, if my, that might be the right word, as far as religious freedom goes. But, but, but this is a slippery slope, Gail, because what happened under the Obama administration, for, for sure, in his uh, health care law, was concessions began to be made uh, within that separation of church and state in the area of, of providing, uh, and as you probably know, uh, contraception, which was automatically immoral for the Catholic Church. Now, that law isn't coming forward and saying, "Well, you got to provide it." It's saying, though, that you know, insurance companies have to do it. And so, even here in the Diocese of Bismarck, again, with one of the best bishops in America, Bishop Kagan, you know, went through a whole year process to get us a whole new health plan that was just specific for the Diocese of Bismarck that ensured that those things wouldn't be covered. But that was the first kind of incident, and it always starts so small, right? The, the devil's real, real sly, and so it's a little prick of the thumb. Well, okay, it's just, you know, contraception, what's the big deal? Well, no, now, now the separate, uh, separation of powers is starting to merge a little bit more, which now in that boiling pot of water, right, where it's, it's getting a little bit higher, and so uh, using the scandal as a platform, which everybody obviously thinks is, uh, an absolutely you know hideous thing. It's a terrible, uh, ter- terrible scandal in the church. Uh, but they're using that as a platform to say, I think what's going to inevitably, again, the long-term play be that this religion in itself uh, is a dangerous religion. So if there's a religion out there uh, in the United States of America that's killing people, for example, right, human sacrifice, that religion would not fall under the clause of separation of church and state because of its 
uh, violations of, of, of public law. Okay. Well, if they can slowly but surely establish that, and all of a sudden, well, the sacrament of reconciliation has to be just like, say, counseling. Right, because that's different. It, it, it's the same with spiritual direction. If somebody comes in and says they're hurting another, or they're hurting a child, or they're going to hurt themselves, then there's that whole principle of right to inform. And so, legally speaking, even as a spiritual director, if you know uh, somebody comes in and says, "Well, I'm going to blow my brains out tonight," I, th- th- there's no seal over that. There is, however, in the confessional, somebody says, "Well, I've been contemplating suicide, and you know, put a gun to my head or whatever it might be, didn't pull the trigger." Uh, that's totally sealed, and so they're trying to, you know, burrow their way in one little tiny step at a time, uh, in in order to in order to do away with the whole thing. Thanks, thanks, Gail. That was an excellent question. We also have Michael uh, from Bismarck. Michael, you on the you on the line right now? Hello. Hello? Yeah. Hey, hey, Michael. How's it going? Hey, fathers. How's it going? Good. Welcome Good. to the Sons of Thunder <laughs> show. What do you got for us? Give it to us yeah, straight. Give it to us hey. straight. What? It's a straight hey, talk, so we always yeah, it's straight talk with the brothers, so we always say, "Give, give it, it to us straight." straight. <laughs> I was just wondering if uh, you guys could touch on um, if this bill passes. Um, could you touch on how this could possibly, this persecution could possibly uh, be God's way of strengthening uh, the church and the clergy specifically? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that one, I think that one's easy. Um, at least in my estimation, it's a good question. Um, I think if it does pass, I think we're gonna there's gonna be a persecution against the the sacrament, and then, I mean, whenever you're standing up for the truth and you're going to prison, you're go you're being put to death, whatever it might be. I mean, you are definitely living in the truth, and the truth is going to set wherever you are is going to set that place free. And so that's the you know the seedbed what is it the blood of the martyrs is the seedbed of the church and so i could very easily see as this goes on uh and more and more people especially priests that would be forced to violate and they won't do it and so they go to prison that that's just going to build the the cultural base of catholicism to say you know because when you don't appreciate something until it's taken away right and so all of a sudden once it's like in communist russia you know, Catholicism is very, or communist China. Catholicism is very difficult. So people are like underground churches, and they're weeping when they get the Eucharist once a month. Right. When people here are like leaving church early because it's so available. Right. Right. But once that's taken away, then yeah, it grows. Reminds me of that old Cinderella song from the nineteen nineties. <laughs> Don't know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> Frankly, Michael, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you straight from my perspective. This is Father Justin over here that. I, I would welcome this, and I know everybody, I'm not trying to say that I want confession ripped to pieces, but something's got to give. We've been saying this for a long time, that at the end of the day, we are sitting here in this muck right now, and Father Josh makes a good point. Uh, you know, people are, it's a wash, you know, leaving church early, not coming to church at all, receiving communion in the state of mortal sin, there's poison everywhere, everybody's just sort of in the lukewarm phase, and I'll tell you this much, I understand why in the book of Revelation, the Lord himself says, you know, either be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth, because, I mean, let's get, let's get it on, you know? I mean, at least we know where people are staying, I think we said earlier in the show, that the lines are being drawn in the sand, and we're really starting to see where people lie. So if a persecution is what we need in order to get people, you know, saved is the right word, fervency back in, into the church, I'm all about uh, persecution. Yeah, and, and quite honestly, <clears throat> I remember, I, I don't remember who the priest was, but it was a guy who was in Dachau, 
and he said he said it took me a a Nazi concentration camp for me to take my faith seriously. Right. <laughs> you know, like and so I think that as as the you know the the pressure is pushing and you know the, everything's rising that I think more you're going to see more and more saints come out of this. You're going to see more and more you know we might be thinned as as a church for sure but but it's going to be more attractive in the end. You know, the early church was so attractive, and that's yeah. what started just bringing people in left and yeah, right. Speaking of Nazi Germany, it reminds me of that, what was his name, Marvin Nelmer or something? And he's like, you know, they came for the socialists, oh, yeah. but I was not a socialist. And then they came, so I said nothing. They came for the communists, but I was not a communist, so I said nothing. Then they came for the Jews, but I wasn't a Jew, so I didn't say anything. He's like, then they came for me, and there was nobody left to speak for me. <laughs> right? So, I mean, like, you're, you're, you're seeing the writing on the wall right now, and it's like, I'll tell you what, man, we're on the Sons of Thunder straight talk. We're speaking for everybody, and we need you to call one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two or Facebook on in and uh, give us a question. We got Cindy from Facebook. Michael, good to talk to you. Thanks for calling in, buddy. Yeah, thanks, guys. See you later. Uh, later. So, Cindy, on Facebook, uh, with talking about reconciliation, believing what you say in the confessional is to remain between you and the priest can the priest discuss what you say with another priest absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> right that would uh yeah that would you know what the though seal. that's that's an awesome question it Cindy. is i appreciate that because i could see where as a lay person if you don't understand you know, i mean priests are talking about mass right <laughs> priests are talking about you know their own or, priesthood or if you think about a husband and a wife yeah they know, share everything yeah exactly so the brotherhood of the priesthood in that respect but <laughs> no that thing uh is you know so unbelievably sealed up that to to you know, directly say anything that a person has confessed to the point where they can lead it can lead back to them in any possible way uh, is 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 excommunicate. I mean, the priest is excommunicated. I, I got I got yeah. a great I got a great story for yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, give it to me straight. I'm gonna give it to you straight. So we had uh, there's confession practicums, and so when I was in seminary, you go through these practicums and. And some are like real life situations. <clears throat> and so this is, you know, I mean, obviously you're not using names or anything like that. But uh, this was the scenario that uh, a guy, so you know how you have like in the confession, you have those, those slide doors. Mm-hmm. So you slide one open, you slide one shut, right? The old school. <clears throat> the old school, right? And well, he was, he was, he had the one door shut on his right. And he was, the, this person was confessing on the left and said, um, I committed adultery on my wife and she doesn't know about it. I'm terribly sorry for it. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, he received his penance, uh, you know, counsel was and was uh, absolved. And the priest turned and he looked and he, in fact, had not shut the other door on the right side. And he said, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. And the, the voice said, Father, I heard everything that was my husband. <clears throat> and so the priest said, how long has it been since your last confession? He can't even, he can't even acknowledge that anything even happened. Right. Now, the person can acknowledge The it. person can. <clears throat> so, if you, you know, they come back and they're like, well, I want to bring this thing up or whatever it might be in spiritual direction, that's perfectly fine. Uh, in the case of spiritual direction, too, you could ask for permission to refer to something. Um, and there's a lot of little ins and outs. But the big thing is, is what's, you know, done away with there is completely gone. And that's one thing, folks, that, I mean, the, the reason why the seal is there. It's for many reasons, but but one of the theological principles underlying the thing is that once you can, once you confess, whatever you confess, it's not like Jesus, you know, keeps it in a book and you know just marks an you know an X through it and that you're done with it. When Christ forgives something in the sacrament of reconciliation, 
it is absolutely and totally erased from all eternity. And so although the residue of that thing might be in your mind, as Paul says, you know, this is who's going to save me from this body of death? Uh, and in fact, uh, the, the sin dies with you. And so that makes us like the greatest defense attorneys ever. Awesome. We got uh, Molly from Bismarck on the phone. Molly, you there? I am. How are you guys? Well, Good. Doing really well. What's your question? So I am um, fresh out of college, and I was just wondering, as priests, how do you think young people can get involved in parish life? Or how would you uh, prefer for that to happen as priests? Well, I, I think you bring up a phenomenal topic, Molly, because we are moving uh, from the old to the new. We're also in a time where... Uh, a lot of people in that younger person category are not even in their faith or practicing the faith. And so when they come you know, from the old to the new in the Catholic Church right now, the communal dy- dynamic of it uh, is extraordinarily important. And so on a very you know, simple level, you know, sitting down with your pastor, introducing yourself, finding a church that you really want to be in, that you like the priest, uh, that might have a younger community for that matter, but on a very simple level, you know, it's getting involved obviously with the celebration of the liturgy, you end up meeting people, so forth and so on. <clears throat> on the other end of it, us priests right now, uh, you know, have been trying uh, to generate, you know, what, what we would probably call new communal activities uh, that might be a little bit more appealing than, you know, some of the old stuff. Uh, you know, and so in my parish at St. Leo the Great, uh, in, in Minot, North Dakota, one thing I started. A uh, long time ago, and it wasn't my idea. It's called Theology on Tap. Uh, and it, it has kind of a format across the country in which the priest usually meets with younger people in his parish, and you know they, they have a beer if that's what they want, or a pop, or whatever, and they talk about theological topics. What I did is I, I picked up <coughs> beer brewing in seminary, so an odd place to become a beer brewer. We were supposed to get a hobby, and <laughs> so my hobby was brewing beer. So I formed this little uh, brew team that consisted initially of only three guys. And so we started brewing beer, and then, then what we did with the beers, we had, I, I would do like one conference in the church basement, uh, which was this theology on tap. So they could come and drink the home brew for free, and then we had you know, appetizers and everything else. And then I gave a theological talk, kind of like what we're doing now, and then people could respond. But the big thing with that program is to get younger people in and get younger people meeting younger people so that good, normal Catholic people are you know, either meeting a spouse or spouses are talking together, uh, and, uh, you know, it's just more of a communal event. So that has grown into not only the- Theology on Tap, but Theology on Fire, in which we've got three to 400 people coming to this thing. Uh, and my brew team now consists of 70 guys, uh, minus menos, and we've brewed over 3,000 gallons of beer. So it's really connected a lot of people. The other things that we've done, we've tried to open up our rectory, you know, for young adult gatherings, things like that. But I'll tell you what, get involved with your pastor. And if you have some ideas, if the Holy Spirit is inspiring you uh, with some ideas, you know, bring him those ideas. And I guarantee if you're willing to take the reins and run the thing, most priests are going to say, look, I'll financially support Yeah, you. I was just going to say that, that very thing. It's really, really important that if you're going to come with an idea, that you also come with a plan and you come with leadership. Because one of the things that always comes to us is they're like, hey, uh, hey, Father, I got this great idea. And I'm like, oh, great. You're like, who's going to run that? And they're like, well, you are. You are. And I'm like, no, I, I, like, I got enough going on right now. And what we need is we need you know, people with great ideas and then to be able to, to, 
to run those ideas. And, and again, too, to be patient. You know, not every day idea is going to resonate with every priest. Or work. <coughs> or work, right. Yeah, but it's, so, it's good to get on it. I mean, the millennials in particular, Molly, if you can... I have said this from the beginning. I've, I, I've often said, in my opinion, it doesn't sit well with people, but I think the baby boomer generation ruined America and half the world. But the millennials, I think, uh, our little generation, X generation, is, it's not much. It's a little blip on the map. Uh, but the, the millennials are the, the biggest generation that exists right now, and, and they are also the most uncatechized. So these are not people with bad will. These are people that just haven't heard the message and haven't been connected and have been filled with the garbage that former generations have passed on to them and really have gotten a bad bill of goods. So at the end of the day, when that generation converts, I think they are going to be literally the, the, the herald and the, the megaphone of the gospel and, and good Catholic Christian life in America that's going to hopefully demolish some of these sinful foundations that we've got going in this country. But it's, it's going to take some years. But for those of you, like yourself, Molly, that are obviously good Catholics, don't give up and know that Jesus is working with you, we're working with you, and we, we want to hear those ideas and support them in any way that we can. Yeah, thanks, Molly. Are you still there? Yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah, oh, thanks yeah, for good. being on. Call in any time to the Sons okay. of Thunder. We, uh, we're coming down to the end here, but we still have time maybe for one more question, 877 or you can get on Facebook Live and... Uh, and jot in a question. We've actually had some lively discussion here, man. I'll tell you what. Yeah. You start talking about the faith being threatened uh, with this with this California bill, or better yet, what's going on down in Alabama uh, with that anti-abortion bill. I, I, I'm still kind of I'm still kind of shell shocked, to be honest, uh, in regards to that. So, I mean, folks, pray. And the other thing I want to say: if you're listening right now, no matter what state you're in, and we have like you know, at any given time, thousands and thousands of people that are that are listening to this, the sons of thunder are calling on you. After what we saw in Alabama, to reach out to your local legislators and say, now is the time, right? <laughs> now is the day. It's, it reminds me of, you know, the, the scene from uh, Braveheart where you got the clans coming in, you know, and that rich clan rides off and they get demolished because of it. Like, if we, we got to unite together as Catholics and we got to call those brothers and sisters of ours that are in government, that are, that are believers, and say, now's the time, right? These people in Alabama have raised the flag of war. Uh, against the devil himself, and there should be an, a, a landslide of these bills going through. Because at the end of the day, we've got a Supreme Court that can that can that will, I believe, that will acknowledge the state's power to uphold, uh, you know, pro-life constitutional amendments. We got coming up here in a little bit. Uh, well, first of all, I want to thank everybody for their questions. The remainder of the segment is on at nine thirty Central Time every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Up next, we'll speak to Denise Stoppelworth about three blessings added to her family. But uh, before we head out, we're going to have Matt sing one more song. The summons, you guys know this. So feel free to let your hearts rise and just thank God for all He's done in this show so far. Will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Will you go where you don't know and never be the same? Will you let my love be shown? Will you let my name be known? Will you let my life be grown? in you, in you, in me.
Bravissimo. Praise be Jesus Christ. Yeah, Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Nino, thank, thank you for you. being with us during this segment. Thank Buckle up for 10 minutes of fun events coming up. Oh, my! Mike Kenarowski when we get back. Until then, we are the Sons, Sons of Thunder! Thunder.